John chapter 3, verse 31. When you get it, say, got it. Got it. All right, let's pray and we'll dig in. God, I pray that in these next few minutes that we give you our full attention, that we don't get distracted by other stuff, dear Lord, that we're not worried about other stuff or focused on other stuff. Help us to tough it out in here, dear Lord. It's a little hot, but we're going to make it. So I pray that you just help us to let your word speak to us, dear Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me, dear Lord. I pray that you just hide me behind the cross, God, and the day that you do the speaking. I pray that these words will touch us in a way and help us to hear exactly what we need to hear, dear Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 John chapter 3, verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For God sent him and he speaks God's words since he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hands. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not <coughs> see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Now, we've, we've covered a lot here in John chapter 3. And this is, uh, in, in many people's opinions, may be a, a, a go-to chapter of the Bible. If you could tell people only to read one chapter of the Bible, if that's all that they could read, if that's all that they could get their hands on, then John chapter 3 may be a good, a good scripture for us to recommend to people. Now, John chapter 3 started out with a guy by the name of Nicodemus inquiring of Jesus, trying to figure out who Jesus was, trying to figure out if Jesus really was the Messiah, trying to understand uh, what it meant to be born again. Jesus told him that he needed to be born again. That idea of being in the earthly kingdom... We see that earthly uh, language talked about here in the verses today, but uh, the idea of being in the earthly kingdom, which we are all in, in, in a sinful kingdom, that's what that uh, symbolizes. But Jesus was telling Nicodemus that he needed to be part of the kingdom of God, and Jesus uh, was bringing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God had come through Jesus Christ. And so he explained to Nicodemus that to be part of this other kingdom, you need to be born again. That is, you need to be born into the kingdom of God. So your citizenship will not be here on earth, but your citizenship will be in heaven. Now, when we accept Jesus Christ, we are citizens of heaven, but we are still living here on this earth until it comes time for us to go home. It may be that God calls us home and we pass away in this life. Or it may be that Jesus Christ returns before we die. But at some point in time, those of us who are in Christ Jesus and who have accepted Christ Jesus will have eternal life and they will move from this kingdom to the kingdom that is to come. Now we are part of the kingdom already, but we're not living in heaven yet. They will come when that will take place. Now, Jesus explained this to Nicodemus, and he didn't understand. Uh, but Jesus went on even further uh, to quote from, or I say quote, he, he, he said John 3.16. We quote what he said. But uh, Jesus stated that, look, that God loved the world in this way that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
And so he was explaining to Nicodemus the way. He was explaining a critical truth that we must all come to if we're coming to Jesus. One, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the only Son of God, and it's through Him is the only way that we receive forgiveness. It's through <clears throat> Jesus that we are delivered and we are spared from God's wrath, as we see in the verses today. Now, we talked a little bit last week about John the Baptist. We talked about John the Baptist, what he was doing as he was preparing the way for Jesus. And we see some of John's words here in the verses before the verses we looked at today. Now, we don't really know. It's hard to determine uh, when you look at the manuscripts. One, if it was John the Baptist who was speaking these words we saw today, or if it was John, the author of Scripture, who was speaking these words today. So it could have been uh, something that John the Baptist was saying after what he said in the verses last week. We left off last week with the idea that we must decrease, that is, we must think less of ourselves, humble ourselves, but Jesus must increase. That is, we need to raise Jesus up. We need to give him the praise uh, that he deserves. And then we see these verses today that, that remind us and affirm to us who Jesus is, why we should listen to Jesus. Because Jesus is not earthly. He is not just another man who is born on this earth like you and I. We were all born from a mother's womb, and we were born with a mother, and we were born with a father. While Jesus was born from the womb of a woman, uh, his father was not Joseph. His father was God. It was the heavenly father. It was through the Holy Spirit that uh, Mary conceived Jesus Christ and gave birth to him. And we are reminded here that things that are of earth are earthly, but things that are of heaven are of God. And Jesus Christ was not merely born an earthly birth. He was from God. He was from above. And so we are reminded of that in these verses. The one who comes from above is above all. Now, this is important. We need to realize that Jesus is above all. That God has put everything... Uh, under Jesus, and he's given everything to Jesus. And when Jesus fulfilled his mission, when he fulfilled what God has called him to do, Jesus is above all. Jesus has, has, has defeated all of his enemies. He's defeated all of his enemies. Now that's good news for us because the same enemies of Jesus are our enemies. In particular, the enemy that is Satan. Now, Satan is the enemy of Jesus and has tried to stop Jesus, but he failed. Praise the Lord. We see that through the Scripture. But he is our enemy as well, and he is always trying to tempt us. He is always trying to get us to live in sin. And oftentimes we give in to that. We do just what he tempts us to do. We give in to that sinfulness. Now, through Jesus Christ, who has victory over Satan, when we accept Jesus, we also share in that victory because we are one with Jesus. But we still live on this old world, and until we get to the kingdom for all eternity with Jesus, we will always have those temptations that come before us that the enemy tries to put before us. But we need to remind ourselves, as we see through Scripture, that Jesus is above all. Jesus has been victorious over death and over Satan. Therefore, if we are in Jesus, we are victorious. So when those times comes that we are tempted to sin or we are tempted to give in, we need to realize that we have the power to overcome. 
Not on our own, but through Jesus Christ. The Scripture says we are overcomers. And so we can't say, well, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist the sin. I couldn't resist the temptation. Well, that's just not true. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to always be easy to resist the sin and resist the temptation. But through the power of Jesus Christ, He helps us to have the strength to overcome whatever may be tempting us because, as we see in the text today, that Jesus is above all. Jesus is from heaven, we see in the text today. Now, this is crucial for us to understand. It would have been crucial for the people that were hearing this back in the day that these words were written, and it's crucial for us to hear it because it establishes for us that Jesus is not just a mere man, that he's not just a good guy, that he's not somebody that's just going around doing good things, saying good things. He's not just a wise man. He is the Son of God. He is more than a mere human. There are many good people in the world, but no matter how many good people there are or how good we may be, we will never be Jesus. We will never be perfect, which is why Jesus had to come and die for us, to be a perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And so we see here uh, that John points out, whether it be John that wrote the book or John the Baptist points out and reminds us who Jesus is. Jesus is from heaven. Jesus left heaven. He left a perfect place with the Father to come to an imperfect place that's full of sin. And He did that because He loves us. And so in these closing words here, we are reminded of that fact, of that significance of that. And then we are also reminded of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit uh, mentioned here in these verses in verse 34. For God sent Him, and He speaks God's words since He gives the Spirit without measure. That's another tough one to understand. Who's he giving the Spirit to? Is he speaking of giving the Spirit to Jesus or is it speaking of giving the Spirit to all of us? Well, it's hard to know in the context of these couple of verses exactly who the Spirit is being given to, but whichever it is, both are true because Jesus was filled with the Spirit and Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit when he left, our Counselor, our Comforter, and he has done so. And while Jesus was filled with the Spirit, so are those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because Jesus said it, and I think Jesus is telling the truth. I don't believe Jesus is a liar, and Jesus says that when we come to Him, we will accept, uh, we will receive the Holy Spirit, then I believe it's true because God's Word says it. The Holy Spirit is, is in us. It's, it, it's what draws us to do what is right. It's what convicts us. It's what lets us know when we're not doing right. It's what allows us to love people that do horrible things to us. We would never do that in our own human flesh. We would never want to have anything to do with those who do wrong to us. We would write them off and be done with them and that would be it. But when we become a Christian and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it's not easy for us to do that or it shouldn't be easy for us to do that. Even though that temptation might still be there and that hatred may try to bubble up, it's the spirit inside of us that reminds us that that is not the right attitude to have. It's the spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit, that gives us the ability 
to forgive those who shouldn't be forgiven in our side, to forgive those who are unlovable, to forgive those who, has, who have done us wrong. And we can do that. You say, well, how do we do it? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it on the cross. He forgave the people who had just nailed him up there. Right before he died, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, that's a godly love. That's the love that is instilled in us by God through Jesus from the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so it's within us. And we see this mention here of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see this, 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 this relationship between these three all through Scripture. And it's kind of a hard thing for us to wrap our head to, uh, together around that all three are, are, are individual, but all three are one. All three serve a certain purpose. And here we see that alluded to in these last few verses. And then it says in the closing verse, in verse 36, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life. Now this is a good reminder from what we saw in John 3.16. The one who believes in the Son. Now we've talked about belief, I know here, in the past. It's not just a head belief. It's not just that you can leave here today saying, oh yeah, I believe that there's a Jesus. Remember, even Satan believes that there is Jesus. Satan knows full well that Jesus exists. Satan knows full well that Jesus is the Son of God. Satan knows full well that Jesus is victorious over death and victorious over sin. He knows that and he believes it. He, he doesn't like it, but he knows it and he believes it. But Satan is not going to have eternal life. He's going to have eternal punishment. Why? Because he doesn't accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He has rejected Jesus. Now, we got to make sure that we don't fall into the same trap. I don't want anybody here leaving today with merely a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. When the Bible says that we need to have a heart knowledge, that is, we need to really believe it with our heart. We're not just that we say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but that we really trust in Jesus. That we really trust that He gave His life on a cross for us. That we really trust that He did raise again three days later from the grave. That we really trust that He did go back to heaven. That we really trust that one day He is coming back to us. We have to trust that. Not just know it. Not just believe that it's true. But have a relationship with Jesus. And that comes through repentance. We talked about repentance last week. That is a turning from our sinfulness but not just a turning from our sinfulness, but a running to Jesus. So we run away from sin, and we run to Jesus. And so we don't want to have just a head knowledge of Jesus. We want to give our life to Jesus. We want to trust Him with our soul and recognize who He is and accept that and ask Jesus to forgive us. Accept the sacrifice that He gave on our behalf. So when it says here, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, let us understand what that belief is. It's a heart belief. It's a real relationship that we have with Jesus. But the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Now listen at this. It doesn't say, use the terms life and death here, as we might would say, but it uses a different term. The one who, who trusts in Jesus will see eternal life, uh, but the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Now, there is 
at the end of this life, when we leave this world and we stand before God in judgment, one of two things are going to happen. We are either going to have eternal life or we are going to suffer God's wrath. There is no death once we leave this life. Yes, there is death in this life. There are times in this life when people pass away. But death is not the end. It's not that when death takes place that people are gone forever, that they are placed into the ground and that they are done with. And so we don't see the word death used here, but those who trust in Jesus Christ have eternal life, and those who reject Jesus Christ suffer God's wrath. And so you may be sitting here today saying, well, I'm not going to accept Jesus Christ, and at the end of my life, that's just going to be it. I'm going to die and be gone. Well, that would be, that would be wonderful in a sense if that were true for those who didn't believe in Jesus but that's not at all what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that they will go to a place of torment where there will be gnashing of teeth, that place where they will experience God's wrath. And not only will those who reject Jesus be there, you know who else will be there? Death will be there because it says in Revelation that the last thrown into the lake of fire is death. So you have Satan, you have all his followers, you have death itself is thrown into the lake of fire along with those who reject Jesus Christ. And it's not just for a little while, it's forever. And so there is no life there, but there is also no death there. And when I say there's no life, I mean there's no good life. You exist, your soul exists, but it exists in torment of knowing that you rejected Jesus Christ. But the word here in John says, but those who accept Jesus, who trust in Jesus, who believe in Jesus, will have life. Yes. Life after death. Eternal life. We all will have an existence after death, but there will be some who will live in existence in God's wrath and in torment. But there will be others who will finish out their existence for all eternity with life. Things will be beautiful. Things will be wonderful. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sin. There will be no more heartache. And that's going to be a good day. There's not going to be any more fighting. There's not going to be this group versus that group, this country versus this country, this versus that, the rich versus the poor. Everyone will be equal. Everyone will be blessed. Everyone will be taken care of. Everyone will be in the presence of God. And all of our worries and fears will be gone if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we believe in Him and trust Him as our Lord and Savior. There's a lot of good stuff in John Chapter 3. We see a few must that we must do. If some would say that John chapter 3 is the must read chapter in God's Word, if we must read it, there are some things that we must see when we read it. One of the must that we see mentioned in John chapter 3 is that the Savior must be lifted up. You remember the reference maybe that uh, Jesus made to Moses whenever the snakes were biting and killing the Israelites because they were disobedient and Moses was commanded to make a bronze snake and hold it up on a pole and those who looked to the one who was lifted up on the pole would be healed. Now that was not saying that Jesus is in any way related to a serpent or should be celebrated and serpents should be celebrated in any way, shape, or form. But what that does 
symbolize is the one who is being lifted up on the stake, pointing us forward to Jesus Christ. We see in John chapter 3 that the Savior must be lifted up. That is, Jesus must give his life for the forgiveness of our sins. We also see in John chapter 3 that we must be born again. That is, we are born into this sinful life, and therefore, as sinners, we are doomed to suffer God's wrath unless we are forgiven. Therefore, we must be born again. We don't want to be part of this kingdom that is being destroyed, that is full of sin. We do, however, want to be part of God's kingdom. So we must be born into the kingdom so that we are citizens of heaven, that we are brothers and sisters with Jesus. The Savior must be lifted up and we must be born again. The other must we see in Scripture is that we must decrease. We must humble ourselves and not think too highly of ourselves. That Well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. Surely God's not going to think badly of me. I'm not as bad as the other guy or the other girl. But that's not the right attitude to have. Instead, we must decrease. We must humble ourselves and not think too highly of ourselves. Because if we have sinned once against God, then it doesn't matter if we've sinned a thousand times against God. Our sin separates us, whether it's one or a million. So we all need forgiveness because we are all sinners. But we must humble ourselves to recognize that we need that. And the fourth must is we must let Jesus increase. We must give Jesus the praise that he deserves. We must look up to Jesus and realize that Jesus is above all. And if we remember that in our life, and if we humble ourselves, and if we lift Jesus up and remember that he is above all, that he is the one we go to, and the only one we go to for forgiveness of sins, for help when we're going through hard times, when we're struggling, if we humble ourselves and look up to Jesus, then Jesus will be there for us. Oh, yes. Now those are the must that we see from John chapter 3, and you may can find some more, but those kind of sum up what we've talked about over the last few weeks. And the question that you have to answer is, have you been born again into the kingdom of God? Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? On the day when judgment comes and you stand before God, will you receive eternal life or will you receive eternal wrath? You don't have to receive eternal wrath. Jesus has paid it all. He's given his life on a cross for you so that you could be forgiven. And if you haven't accepted that, then you need to do it today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these words. And I pray that we just would take them to heart. God, I pray that if there's one in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would just work on them, dear Lord. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. Don't, don't let them even rest tonight. Let it just, let it just work on their heart, dear Lord so that they would come to you, Lord Jesus, and accept you. God, I pray that they just would accept, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you have given your life for them, that they would ask for forgiveness, that they would not just believe it in their head, but they would trust you and seek you with all their heart, dear Lord, that they would repent of their sins and turn to you, dear Lord. I pray that if there's one in this room that wants to make Jesus their Savior or in their heart, they already have done that today by hearing your words, dear Lord, that they would come to me afterwards. Let us know, dear Lord, to confess that and say that they are yours, dear Lord, and be full of joy and peace, God, so that they can follow through with baptism, dear Lord, just as your word says. 
God, maybe there are some in here that are already yours, and maybe there are some things you just you brought to their heart today, whatever it may be, dear Lord, that you're just working on them about, God. Just let them turn to you, seek you, repent of any sinfulness that, that is there, God, and that we would trust you with all our heart. Maybe we just need to be humble, dear Lord, a little bit. So help us to let ourselves decrease, God, but help us to remember that you are above all. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.